Hi, I'm Andy. I'm Lucy. And I'm Mickey. Welcome, Welcome to Catcall, the feminist podcast. So welcome to Cat Call, the feminist podcast, now episode six. Crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. I can't believe it's, we're already there. Yeah, I know. We're already there. It's been amazing. Um, and we thank everyone who's been um, listening to the show regularly. Um, Tom, this is for you, who goes to sleep listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, Tom is my flatmate. And Andy sent me a, a picture over Facebook and was like, this person is our best listener. Isn't this your flatmate? I had no idea he even knew I did this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and he's our number one listener, so thanks again, Tom. Um, yeah, and um, as ever, our email address is uh, at gmail.com. Twitter is at catcallpodcast. Uh, so please do uh, send us emails or um, a tweet, and we will respond. Um, so yeah, this week we have the very joyous topic of euthanasia. Um, a sex abuse victim uh, in her 20s was allowed to choose euthanasia uh, because she was raped and suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, her doctors believed that it was incurable and they decided to um, allow her to be euthanized. And personally, I'm very pro-euthanasia. Uh, because I believe that like our animals, when they suffer too much, are allowed. Well, they, we euthanize them. Mm. They're not allowed to. We euthanize them. Um, so I feel that a consenting adult who knows what he or she is doing should be allowed to choose euthanasia. It's allowed in Switzerland, and it's also allowed in Holland um, with very specific. Um, there's very specific laws about it over there, uh, and I'm very pro it, and I know Mickey has a different opinion on that particular case. Yeah, I think it's just case by case, because I'm actually kind of euthanasia. I'm just going to move a little bit closer. Hello. Uh, euthanasia, I think, is is good. I think Terry Pratchett was a massive... Um, well, I think there's loads of people that are massive advocates of euthanasia because it just gives people a choice that they don't often get. Um nowadays which i think is important yeah but, but with this case it's the i think it's the idea that mental health it's the idea that her mental health was incurable um, yeah and that's what's and may and like i'm not right i don't know about her i don't i don't know who she was i don't know what she was going through it's just sad that in today's age there are there is there is stuff that we can't we still think that we can't deal with mental health wise. But then maybe, oh, I don't know, it's really hard. Yeah, maybe like I get what you're saying because maybe without the doctors, maybe with other things that are going on in her life, she could get better. Mm. But at the same time, we have to remember that this is her choice. Yeah, no. And I, it's yeah. much better to know where your limits are than to die a very painful death because your doctors didn't allow it. So I do get why people think that it's um, awful how her doctors say that she couldn't be cured because personally, I wouldn't have made that choice. And personally, I think that the doctors might have, I'm not going to say might have been able to do a better job, 
but maybe with other doctors, maybe with other things that were going on. But um, I mean, presumably they would have tried all that. Like their doctors yeah, exactly. Are not just gonna... um, but I think euthanasia, euthanasia, euthanasia um, is a very personal choice. And I don't think you're less of a person making that choice. But I think that if you're living with that, something that is so terrible and so awful that you don't think you can possibly live with it, I think you should be able to make the choice to opt out, even though that wouldn't be my choice. I would rather... Um, I'm I'm saying that I'm not in her position. I can't say I would rather do this, I would rather do that, I would do this better. It's not the case. Like, It's a very personal choice, and I don't think she made that choice lightly. I think it's a very no, heavy no, choice that in your 20s you're already deciding to opt, not opt out. It's very like, I think it's a very condescending way mm. to look at it. I was saying opt out, but um, to end your life because you don't think you can get better get better and you don't yeah. think you can like live with that burden you're living with i think the thing that i i think the reason i'm having quite a strong reaction to it which isn't my normal reaction at all usually my reactions to stuff are just everyone should just and and i think this in this case like i'm sure this person has been like they would have gone through every system they could have and the doctors will have gone through every system that they could have before doing this like i'm sure this person that's a thing but i i just know that when um, getting quite personal, and I'm sure no one on cat call minds because that's what this is. Um, I was anorexic when I was, um, I became anorexic when I was 16, and I came out of therapy when I was 80, 18 and a half. I moved to London, I was still very, like, still pretty anorexic. But I tried to kill myself so many times before that that I think the reason I'm having such a strong reaction to it is much more kind of it's much more about me and it's much more about and I think this is probably why many people have this reaction to euthanasia where they're like oh because I know that now I would never want to have killed myself yeah or, or I don't want to now like I'm I'm incredibly happy and yeah um so despite think, like, various things happening and I'm not saying with this person that well maybe in like maybe she would have just gotten over it because I don't think that at all but I think with me it took me about five different therapies and loads of different doctors, including doctors who are like, no, you're fine, you're just a bit sad. Um, <laughs> for me to be like, for, for me to come out, however many years later, because I think I first tried to kill myself when I was like 14 or something, and I would never do that now. So it's, it's taken that long that probably for me, this is more of a reflection of being like, yeah, but there's a battle and like you've got to do that. But she probably did it herself. So I don't know what my reaction is. I just know that personally I'm having a really strong like, oh, this is terrible yeah uh, I have that same reaction on a personal level because I think it's a very very young age I mean she's our age mm. um, I'm 21 and Mickey is 23 23 um, so I can't possibly imagine what you would have to go through in order to make that decision mm. um, and I can't even start imagining the pain she's in right now but at the same time, I think the laws of euthanasia in those countries like Holland and Switzerland are extremely strict. Mm. And what went through my mind was they are so strict and they wouldn't let someone who yeah. felt like mildly, oh, I'm feeling a bit depressed right now. Um, you know, like I feel mildly unhappy. <laughs> um, let them 
I don't think they would have let them go through those things. And I think it's really awful how they say that those conditions were incurable uh, because of just on a dissertation yeah. on post-traumatic stress disorder and trauma in uh, conflict journalists. So they see a lot of death. They see a lot of um, awful, awful stuff happening to them. Um, and to say that PTSD is incurable is something that is extremely bad for people suffering from it. Mm. Like, a, yeah. and what I, must they, what goes to my, like, not, that's her choice. And they only said yes. But then they said this awful thing that could have, ma- that could make other people feel like they are um, broken. I know what you mean, especially because they've said the words incurable. But exactly. I think that comes from, there's like, there's two things going on here that I think will elicit strong reactions. The first one is that they said that these things were incurable. But actually what they probably meant was, I mean, she was suffering for 15 years. She was abused when she was extremely young. She was suffering for 15 years when, until this has happened. And they she'd done everything with them. So maybe it was a case of, like, we've tried everything. I don't know what else we can do. Yeah. Um, and it just granted her wish. The wish. And the the second thing I was thinking, so that's kind of the media saying, oh, the doctors have said this, which we're both, like, we're both journalists. We, <laughs> we definitely <laughs> get that that's a headline. Um, but I think the other thing is, as I, as you were talking then, I was thinking about what I just said about committing suicide. And yeah. Actually, this this isn't the same. Like, when so many, when so many people try to commit suicide mm-hmm. the difference between trying the difference between doing is huge like you you try because of various reasons but it's pretty easy to kill yourself if you try really this is really dark i'm really sorry but it's, re- <laughs> it's, it's really easy to kill yourself if you try super hard um but it's also very easy to not try as hard because you're hoping that someone will save you yeah and i think she's made a really clear decision here where she's like no i don't want to be saved like this is my yeah. decision please will you help me do this and i'm going to tell my family about it and blah, blah blah like she's made a really clear decision here and it kind of like euthanasia i think makes not obviously not easier just like it's a clear ending and it's mm. an ending with dignity yeah i think that's I it. find, it's the dignity of it uh because her family know her doctors know she knows and it's just like ending it with dignity mm. and but what I find awful is how they said that it was incurable because it sends a message to so many young people that what they're going through right now is incurable, which is not the case. It's like for that one person, it was but that's that not one, their fault. Yeah, that's the media's fault because yeah. we all have a tendency as journalists. Like, um, so today, Andy and I had to write some copy about um, a toxic canal. You yeah. also had that, yeah. So we had to write that. Um, and I remember I was I was writing it and I was like, this is, I'm making it sound like this is an epidemic problem. Like yeah. I'm making this sound like this is general, that people just go around dumping canisters of chemicals in canals. And actually that's not true. But as a journalist, you've got to make it relevant to people. Exactly. So of course, like, so at the moment up on our screen that we have on both sides um, is the Mail Online piece. Um, and in that, the, what, it, the word in the headline is incurable. Like her conditions were yeah. incurable. And that might not be what the doctor said. Exactly. But or, in, it, or it might be, but they it might, might be very specifically said. But how the media you. frame it is also really important. Yeah. Like I think, um, especially when it comes to science and journalism or science-related yeah. topics. This is not, like, it's not technically science, a scientific topic. I think it is. But 
It is, and they often miss the point with scientific papers, uh, with uh, euthanasia especially. I think in England and the UK, it's not talked about as an option. Like euthanasia is not an option in the UK because A, it's not legal, B, it has not been debated as far as I know. It might have been... It has been debated. It's just... Okay, it has been debated. Uh, but obviously the debates didn't go <laughs> too far mm. uh, because right now they're not debating it. And I think euthanasia is a very important thing we should be allowed to do because I know if I ever um, developed cancer and I was in so much pain that I wasn't, I couldn't die with dignity. Like I know that my uncle, he died of uh, cancer um, and at the end he was just like choking. He mm. was choking and he was on so much morphine that he was just like not a dig- he couldn't be considered a dignified human being yeah. anymore um, and it was really painful for everyone involved mm. and I do believe that if he had been allowed to end his life with dignity it would have been so much better for everyone around him to not see him suffer the way he did and yet like have to plod along um, with a semblance of like dignity for his family, for the people around him. And I think it would have just been so much better for everyone involved. So I think euthanasia is something that isn't talked about enough, should be an option, but ha- would need to have extremely strict laws um, so that it's, always, not yeah, been, so it's not being abused of yeah. um, by people around the relatives, yeah. by the people themselves. It's... And I think in this case, it was her choice. It probably went through a very strict process and it might have been the best choice for her. But I don't think it would have been the best choice for everybody. Everybody. Yeah. And there's there's one argument which weirdly we haven't touched on, but we don't really have time. um, Just touch upon it really quickly. Really quickly. So um, the argument, the the very feminist argument, which we haven't gone for, but I feel is a bit flawed Mm, is it flawed i'm not sure anyway um (laughs) so the debate in england about this the reason it's hit the news is because um disability rights activists and feminist activists are arguing that she's been like the the ultimate kind of punishment for her being abused was her death like she's she's had to die because of it but and I, I think I, that's, but that's what we were talking about as we, so as we walked in to the building, we were talking about this and then we said, no, save it for the podcast. And I think one of the things that we were talking about then, oh, I, th- I think I've just turned, no, I haven't, sorry. I think I've just turned a knob. I was playing, <laughs> so I was, I was a bit nervous about talking about this. Um, and I think in a way they're right. And it's not anyone's fault apart from the person that abused her, but People weren't able to deal with it. And not the fact that they weren't able to deal with it now, but the fact that they weren't able to deal with it when it happened must be a contributing factor. Yeah. Um, And so, in a way, she was punished for it. She was punished for it. Ultimately, she was punished for it, for what happened to her. Um, But I don't agree that's why she's being euthanized. You can't control everything in your life, even if it sounds like... It's going to sound awful, what I'm going to say, um, for the listeners. Um, It's going to sound awful, but we can't control everything that happens in our lives. We can't control the bad things or the good things that happen to us. And I think it's a very sad thing that she's had to resort to this. Mm. But maybe for her... It's my, if she believes that, I do not know her. I don't really 
know what she went through as a child. I don't really know her case. And if we knew her case more and if we knew who who she was, because I think she's anonymous right now. Yeah, she is. She is, yeah. Uh, she's anonymous, so we don't know who she is, but it might be the best case for her. And I think ultimately, yes, she's being punished for what was for what happened to her. Um, but if you can't live with what happened to you, people can't ask you to live with that. And no, I, but I don't think they are. I think they're just saying that the, the provision for sexual assault, the provision for rape, like that... That should be a thing that people know how to deal with because it's a thing that happens all the time, and there should be people going, "Okay, this is something." I think people deal with it very personally too. Yeah, but I mean, people deal with everything personally. Um, People deal with a broken leg very personally. (laughs) There's a a standardized service for that, and it's quite good. Like the the fact that there still isn't the fact that it's still hard to talk about this stuff when you're a kid. If someone abuses you as a child, so basically, like the the mental health. the stigma around yeah. the stigma the sig- around assault, yeah. the stigma around rape, and the stigma around re- mental health. Yeah, and I think today the only thing we can do about that is to try to like talk about it, discuss yeah. it, so this if stigma do kind of so good. doesn't <laughs> disappear. Like obviously, yeah, we want it to disappear. Like we want the stigma to go away, so that people can like speak freely about it. And um, last week we had Claire on, and we were talking about uh, the stigma of uh, men and depression. And that's why men resorted to, uh, and people in general, but men especially, because that's what she does, um, resort to suicide. And, and I think there's a lot of stigma it? about it, and like it needs to be talked about. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, we we've, we set very strict times on ourselves. For that yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's so also quite a bit triggery, so I feel like we should put a warning on the. Uh, yeah. On the old podcast. Yeah. I hope it's we haven't upset anybody. Yeah. Or if we have, I, I'm sure we have, but I'm sure I hope we haven't really upset anybody. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, thank you for listening to this very joyous yeah. podcast. Um, We've got Ness Lyons on right next. Yeah, Ness Lyons is on next with Lucy, who hasn't been here, but she'll be on the next part of this podcast for Ness Lyons, and it's going to be about catcalling. So we're very excited about this because Ooh, it's sexy ladies. Exactly. Fuck you, so I'm gonna jab you in it's the gonna fucking be, eye. <laughs> it's gonna be more, like it's gonna be more joyful, lighter, <laughs> lighter. It's gonna be a lighter yeah, topic. Really fucking dark, didn't it? Um, and that, yeah. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Goodbye. Bye. Women are should all be afraid <laughs> because they're about to fall. Women are better inherently full than men. Yes, we are superior <laughs> to each and every one of them. Yes, all women are Die. 
Hello everyone, I'm Lucy Palmer, um, this is Cat Call. You're joined today by Ness Lyons as well, who is a playwright and a poet in her own right. She has written and directed uh, a piece called I Smile Politely, uh, which everyone in the Cat Call team has listened to and been really bowled over by. I listened to it loads and loads of times, so um, we are going to be talking about that. But first of all, um, Ness, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do? Hello, so yes, I'm Ness. Yes, and I'm a playwright and I have had plays on um, before at various theatres in London and this I Smile Politely is my first standalone spoken word poem. I've written performance poetry, small ones that have been part of plays before and usually um, in my plays I usually do something kind of stylized and I use a lot of rhyme but this is my first full poem on its own. And um, we've made it into a YouTube video that you were just talking about. And um, yeah, and it's about street it? harassment. Street harassment. Mm -hmm. So would you like to read a passage of that? OK, so this is I'm going to do a reading from midway through the piece. And this is about um, the, the character in the poem is talking about how she feels that a lot of the time when a man um, cat calls her or harasses her in the street that she's not allowed to tell him it's not okay and that she has to react how he wants. A compliment is a polite expression of admiration and praise. A catcall is to let a woman know she's under your gaze. Its inference isn't courteous. Its intention isn't to leave her feeling good. It's to make her know she's inferior to him. Her appearance is his business. Understood? You're not allowed to get bullshy or talk back. You're the pretty little thing, the young girl in the street. They think they're too strong physically, institutionally, for you to attack. They're the dog that can kick the cat. So the dog cat calls and expects this kitten to purr, not hiss. I'm supposed to defer, sleek back my fur, offer up my phone number. My self-esteem is yours to conquer. It's not up to me. A simple no is not the answer that you're looking for because this is your fantasy. But if I want to deter your attention, well then this kitten should divert, wear a longer skirt, walk down the street with a bigger dog or refer to one at home that doesn't exist but whose opinion you respect more than my own. And whose streets are these anyway? Because my parents taught me they're supposed to be two-way. And you, sir, like me, must have learned Newton's third law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And OK, that's flawed. My reaction won't exactly be equal in force, but it will oppose yours. So when you push me, creating an unwelcome intersection, please trust I will respond with some friction and tension. It would be a mistake to think this is all about a woman's moving body and not her verbal representation. You say you're just having a conversation. Turns out, though, you don't want me freestyling, or to put it another way, rejecting. Got to stick to the script or go old school, seen and not heard. But I'm pretty sure that these days I'm supposed to have a choice. And so, yes, I have a voice, even if it's tentative while yours is definitive, booming out from the gramophones of your authoritative forefathers, the female voice historically set to mute. 
So with a lot of things going on in there, and that's only a very small chunk. As you said, the YouTube video is 4 minutes 35, is that right? Yes, and that's right. The extended version, which is the one that you made for, what did you write that for? So it was um, originally performed at the Women of the World Festival at South Bank Centre in March this year. It was commissioned for that. I'd written it before and I tried it out at a scratch, a sort of very early version um, the month before. Um, so this spoken to be for performed live, it's 13 minutes, but then we wanted to make it into a YouTube video because we had a lot of people at WOW come and ask us if it was on YouTube. So made it into a video and we condensed it and made it short and snappy for that. What was it like um, initially the process? So you've gone, you wrote it for WOW. When I've spoken to you previously, you spoke about your sort of inspiration behind mm. it. If you could speak a bit more about what inspired you to write a piece about catcalling and the friction that can cause on the street. So this is a very personal piece for me um, because it was actually, I wrote it in response to an incident that happened to my daughter uh, who, she was 10 at the time, she's now 11. And we were on holiday um, in Sri Lanka. And I grew up in Asia and I love Asia and I was, was having a, a wonderful time. Um, and the only sort of, the only off note in the whole holiday was um, we were in a tuk-tuk <laughs> and we'd got, we'd got in and my, my, my daughter said to me, oh, mum, this, this man in the street had just, he said something to her that um, made her feel terrified. He said something inappropriate, um, sort of an unwanted sexual comment. And I was horrified. But it was, it, it, it was, I felt this kind of sickening dread, actually. It, it, when I say horrified, I didn't actually feel surprised. And that was kind of the worst thing of it, because it just felt like, oh, she's going to have to go through everything that I went through. And I've lived in um, three different continents and lots of different countries around the world and as, as a young person. And I got it in all those places. And so it was not confined to one, one place or one culture. And I just thought of, of all, I thought of all the, the crap, frankly, and the, the hassle and we swear our heads off on okay that's fine. don't worry <laughs> it wasn't sure yeah and I just I just thought oh I, I just I felt actually awful that as a mother I'd produce someone who was going to have to go through that mm. and from from just the day-to-day you know interruption in your day and just the frustration of it and the irritation to the actual being threatened and feeling like you're under under threat and that you're you're being watched that you you know you're being followed i've had some very um i had some um sort of difficult and you know scary experiences and and so have all my friends and um and sometimes you know you can you can you can take it in your strength you can react to it and, and sometimes you know you you don't want to <laughs> you can't and I don't think you should. No. And um, so when this happened to her, I, I said, "What did you? How did you respond?" And she said, "Well, I asked her how it made her feel, and she said it made her feel terrified." And I said, "How did you respond?" And she said, "I just smiled politely and I quickly walked away." And everyone can identify, no matter what age you are, um, that sense of. 
the best thing to do is to smile politely and walk away. There have been times when, as a feminist, I became aware that I was a feminist at a very young age, had a mum, I'm sure very like you, that was very empowering and sort of talked through experiences that maybe I felt uncomfortable with. But there was still this sense of, oh, I, I must do what's right. And, I, and where, where does that come from? Because sometimes my feminist will be riling away inside of me and I want to turn around to someone and say, you can't talk to me like that, I didn't ask for that. Mm. And actually, and you just made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. How do you how do, you do that when your actual physical in- instincts just goes, okay, and then walk away? Well, I think the instinct to smile politely comes from a few places. And I think it depends on the context. I think um, with my daughter, she felt scared. She felt immediately terrified and she was worried he'd kind of grab her. I mean, we were right there on, on the street, but we, we were just getting into this talk talk and we, we, were, um, we were doing that. And she felt terrified. So she just wanted to quickly walk away. So she didn't want to she didn't want to say anything that would provoke him. Mm. I think she instinctively felt that it could possibly be dangerous and that if she made him angry, he he might uh, respond in a way that was, you know, physically threatening to her. So it's a safety instinct. Yeah, I think it's safety instinct. And that was what was difficult about it for me because when she told me, my first instinct actually was to say to her, oh, darling, you know, if um, and this is actually in the poem, but if a man or a boy makes you feel uncomfortable, you know, you shouldn't feel obliged. You know, you're not obliged to smile at them. Mm. And then I thought, and that's when I thought about my experiences, and I thought, well, actually, often, sometimes, the safest thing to do with some people, yeah, is just to extract yourself from that situation. Mm. So I feel that your response should very much be whatever you feel is, is right for you. And I feel it's really important to stress that women are going to have different reactions and that that's okay. Um, you shouldn't feel shame. Um, you shouldn't feel that your appearance is anybody else's business or that you owe anybody politeness or courtesy if they're not providing it to you. But likewise, if you don't feel threatened and you feel complimented, I don't feel that I don't feel you should feel ashamed for feeling like that either. Um, and I think it's just about having res- respect for other people and allowing them their different opinions and, and feelings and you know, if someone's not comfortable, recognising that and, and not crossing that boundary and knowing your own boundaries and knowing that, you know, that's not OK. If you feel your boundaries being crossed, it's not OK. And you should either do something in the moment if you feel you're able to or go and talk to someone about it and do something about it. You shouldn't feel that you should feel alone and um, vulnerable and um, ashamed. You should talk about it. In the poem, 23 is the age, I think, at which the woman finally turns around and says, actually, I don't, mm. has a sort of slight confrontation, which mm. is still polite mm. in, in, in all respects. She mm. says to him that um, I don't actually need mm. this interaction, basically, mm. and then walks away. And that's when mm. this guy riles up and it's a dialogue, which I know any woman mm. that's tried to confront a man about yeah. their behaviour can completely relate to if you could talk a bit about that the reaction that that confronting a cat call creates yeah and that's something that was in the bit that i just read um you know starting with not being 
you're not allowed to get bullshy or talk back. And I think this is the interesting thing for me. This is one of the interesting things for me is that for me, actually, it's it should be very simple that I should be able to say, I don't want this interaction and however I do it. And they go, oh, OK, I'm sorry. Fine. But no, it's not like that. And there's this, um, well, I guess you'd you know call it male entitlement or something. But there's there's this feeling that they they feel that they have a right to you should be reacting in a way that they decide and is about them actually and not about you and they're not thinking they're not actually thinking about your needs or wants or respecting you as someone who's kind of whose um response is is equal in weight to theirs yeah, i agree with that i think the point where i'm like i actually i have a slightly different take on it and that's mm. after speaking to other friends and coming to my own conclusion but it's this thing of um m- men feel that women need their existence qualified and by them and that mm. if a man gives you that compliment mm. in their head that's going to send her off on her way and she'll think that I'm an attractive woman now. I don't actually need that from you and I, that doesn't make me a more of a woman. That's where I sort of come at it with some of the ones where it's a blurred line. Is it a compliment? Is it right. threatening? Do you, do you, do you yeah, know? no, I agree with you. I think we were talking about slightly different things there because I was talking about men's reaction to when you kind of have, when they see it as you rejecting them. Yes, yes. That they, that they then get affronted. And I'm saying that they, if they were open to your response, whatever that may be, that would obviously be better. Even with men like that, where Mm. I think they're coming at it from a place of, um, I'm going to make this woman feel much better about herself and she'll feel much more like a woman walking away. Um, And then if you confront them with it, they get straight on the defence. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're right that some men probably do that um, because they feel that you want that and that, um i also think you know sometimes i th- i think for me it's very it's all about the context yes and i think the key for me really is is it's about how it makes you feel mm. individually mm. um you know sometimes i have banter or something but my local veg guy exactly that's i've I mean. never been able to be called darling if someone calls me darling other than my dad i hate it it makes me cringe and there's this one veg guy at the corner of my road near abney park who says darling and i almost wanted to compliment him on it it's like you don't make me feel like i need to yeah. go have a shower so yeah. well done <laughs> yeah and 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 i have no problem with interactions like that where because it's how it makes me feel, but it's also their um, intention. Mm. And, you know, if you if you can see that, you know, you're having a sort of interaction with someone and you're kind of um, both sort of um, having a little bit of, um, I don't mean sexual banter, obviously. But, but it can go there yeah. and you know that it's safe. It's safe. You don't feel yeah, you're just having it. a nice absolutely. day. You're yeah. having a nice minute where and you're just having nice a laugh. It's to get recognised in, in that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, I, I, I was thinking about it before you came in and I think the times when I felt threatened by something that someone else could have said and I would have been would have probably gone a bit blushed and, mm. and and just enjoyed it a bit is when I feel trapped by it mm. and if there's a sense of like I don't know why but I'm trusting my gut and I don't I feel trapped by what you're doing whatever I do is going to be wrong yeah and if I try and walk away it's going to be wrong and I feel trapped by it and that's that's the feeling that I think it's most like when that happens and I don't like it I don't know what you think about that 
Yeah, no, I I agree with that, and I've been there. Mm. Um, I also think with some people, I think you get an instinct. I think you can develop an instinct for it. Yes, and you know that some people. We just call them men because it is men. We are talking about this in terms of yeah, gendered street yeah. harassment. Um, you know, with some men, you can see it in their eyes, and you know that th- that they you're are. There's an aggression. Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. on a tightrope, and that there's an aggression there. And I think that I think that some of this is about you know male aggression towards women. I, I think that some of it is That's um, where the fear comes from, isn't it? Essentially. Yeah. As a woman, you're not just scared from some, like something that isn't real. You're scared because you know that you've heard and you or have experienced a form of male aggression. And that's the fear, isn't it? Absolutely. Because it's unfortunately, it's very relatable. It's very, you, you can easily go there in your head because you know, I, we all know, I'm sure we all know people who've been raped. We all know people who probably had um, sexual abuse in their families. Um, and because it does happen a lot, obviously, obviously, you know, I'm not one of those people that say saying to my child, don't go on the streets, you know, there's all these but dangers. But when that happens, but it cuts straight through to whatever exactly. the worst experience you've ever mm. had of a man is. Mm. Yeah, and because you, and you because you know people that have also had violent um, experiences, and because the, the sad reality is that violence against women is is a huge problem mm. in not just in our country but in in globally. the world globally yeah, yeah. is a huge problem, and women get killed, you know, by their partners. Um, women get attacked and assaulted, and and getting back to what I was saying about the piece, I wanted to get the everyday things because. To get that sense of that kind of the monotony, ju- the just the everydayness, and just the 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 how tiresome it is. And if I was to put anything in there that was um, much more more serious, um, a physical incidents, you know, obviously even rape, that would overpower the whole piece. Yeah, definitely. I like the sort of nod to comedy in it, like the nod to just a minute on Radio Four. Yeah, you're the first person to get that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel so happy. My yes, grandma I'm, will be thrilled. Please, I'm so pleased. I've been Good. waiting for someone to go. I've got yeah, them. No, yeah, because that's completely like, deliberate. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's something that's sort of important, isn't it? Look, when you're doing a piece of this to engage lots of people, there has to be nods to thing. Speaking of just a minute, we probably have just a minute probably left. One of the things that we wanted to start on catcall was if you could be catcalled mm. and it was uh, a good catcall, what would that be? So, for example, we were thinking about things like, I really like your ideas and opinions. I can tell you're a very thoughtful, intellectual woman. I think just a, just a friendly smile, actually. Yes, a genuine smile. A genuine smile. Yeah. And Because um, you can tell with those as well. Mm. It, it's interesting because I'm, I'm a little bit older than you and I was talking to um, friends um, same age as me and it, it's funny because my interaction like with good-looking young men <laughs> is very different because I don't feel I'm not, you know, I'm not, after them they're, I'm married they're, they're obviously not going to be after me but I'm much older to- but all, but it means because I'm not because there's I'm not worried that they're going to think I'm sexually interested in them um, 
I can have much chat. fun with it. Yeah, it's not like I chat up young boys at all, but I just mean you can just chat to them yes. in a way that as a younger woman I would have been embarrassed to even just talk normally. Just in case they get the wrong impression yeah. or yeah. yeah, that must be quite liberating. It is liberating, yeah. and so that and yeah, and then you end up you know and you can have a laugh and, and, and whatever and um, have a nice moment in your day the same that you would the same way you would with a young woman yeah and yeah. not have that sense of the Where whole sexual attraction yeah yeah and what i must in... say though that's not to be a sexist you are very beautiful woman. thank you you are <laughs> <laughs> oh. that's that's my favorite cat call there we go <laughs> good we've done a good cat call that's what we like to hear it's been lovely to have you Ness. thank you thank so you. much so if you want to find the video um and you've got another one which you've launched for cat call as well if you want to just tell us a bit about that just before we go so the little one is from a bit that I read out tonight and it is just the difference between a compliment and a catcall. And I should give a big shout out to my co-founder of Unmuted um, with the production company that made this, um, April Hughes, who is the actress who performs in the video and she is she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she is fantastic. And she's on stage tonight, so she can't be with us. Oh, shame, but I hope that the, uh, she hears this. So it's... At Unmuted Prods. At Unmuted Prods. Um, and also finds I Smile Politely on YouTube. You should go listen to it. Uh, we love it. I'm sure you will do. And we're on Facebook and yeah. Instagram. Ness, it's been lovely to have you. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much.